quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. I'm your host, Noelle, aka Matt Frost, aka Captain Rough Rider. And I am Nicole, aka Farmer Spectre, aka Fierce Vandal. And we are your hosts for this week on WrestleMania 69. Nice. Woo! Thank you for doing the Ric Flair woo. And uh, we are joined today by a special guest. Although it just stopped, though, so I don't know if they can, they'll be able to hear it now. Well, but... I'm going to shout it out anyways, just yeah. in case, because mm-hmm. we are technically joined by a special guest. We are. It's my mom. <laughs> it is your mother. It's my mother. Um, <laughs> We heard a lawn. Well, oh, there, there we goes. Go. There she yeah, goes. she is. Uh, the lawnmower went off, and I'm cursing our neighbor, Chad. Yeah, we were, we were like, we're going to fucking kill him. Yeah, we're going to fuck him up. And um, Nicole went outside to let Abra out before we recorded, yeah. and it was my mommy. So, And I was like, you'll never guess who the lawnmower sound's coming from. I was like, who do I need to murder today? <laughs> and it was my mom. So we will not be murdering no. Lisa. Uh, but uh, shout out to my mom. Thanks for mowing our lawn. Shout out to Lisa. It's we wild. appreciate you. We appreciate you, girl. Appreciate. What do you think my mom's wrestler name would be? Oh, come up with something, and it can't just be the lawnmower. <laughs> the lawnmower woman. Lawnmower woman. There it is. <laughs> uh, one thing I really want to talk about before we get into like the meat of the episode today, like just a little like a moose bouche moment, a little appetizer, if you a, will, before a the what? main course. A moose bouche is a what you just a said. Bouche. What the hell does that mean? It's a little appetizer. It's like a little thing that like you eat to like wet your whistle. It's something that just like wet. makes you wet. Like a palate cleanser? No. A palate cleanser is something that cleanses your palate. And a mousse bouche is something that makes you hungry. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. It like stimulates stim- your it mouth. Stimulates. Stimulates? Stimulates. Stimulates. Stimulates your mouth. Yeah. Your senses. Yeah. So it gets you stimulated. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to stimulate us with? Actually, it's pretty Today. stimulating. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we've obviously been researching a lot of pro wrestlers lately. Duh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, what would a trip down the WWE uh, Hall of Fame, if you will, go mm-hmm. without a little Google imaging? And I have okay. a hot take. A hot, hot, tight, hot take. Okay. What's your tight, hot take? It seems that everyone, especially men uh-huh. in the 80s and 90s, wore crop tops. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to say... We gotta bring it back. Crop top summer. You heard it here first. Yeah, haven't you? Like, if you watch any horror movie where there's like camp counselors and they're playing baseball. Oh my god! Any horror movie worth its salt. It's always cut off shorts and crop tops. I want to see more men in crop tops. I want to see more women in crop tops. Yeah. I want to see every person across the spectrum in a crop. I'm wearing a crop top right now. You love crop tops. We've I'm, talked about this before. I'm, I'm team crop sure. top. I want. You know what? We're adding a crop top to the merch store. I think there is one, is there not? I don't know, but if there's not, there's going to be another one. Mm. Because more crop tops. Crop top summer. We're doing it. Yeah. Let's get it. I think men should also wear pants that, uh, they shouldn't be allowed to wear pants that are baggy. Like, we should be able to see their asses because they can see ours. We want to objectify men <laughs> is what this podcast is about. It's only fair. It's only fair. If we have to wear tight clothing, so do you. I mean, we don't have to. But we do. I know. It's like in style. It's like called it fashion. Be, like, yeah, look it up. I want to see. I want to see it. I want to see more brawn. I want to see more butts. I want to see more crop tops. I want to see the outline of. No, I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> but I will say, 
And there's people out there right now screaming at their radios, being like, oh, look at a crown top. Every I don't body. Crown Nicole, I'm going to no, hit you. I don't I'm have the body you on the mouth. <laughs> I'm going to punch you, not wear a crop top. will show it because you cannot have visible bruises in a crop top. That's not a cute look. Okay. But every body is a crop top body. I have to disagree with you on that one. But you got a CTB, babe. You got one. <laughs> Everyone listening right now, you got a CTB and it's hot. I see what you did there. And I want you to show it off. CT- I don't have a CTB. I think you do. Mm, I No. I'm going to post a picture of you in a crop top. I, you, there isn't one because I've never worn one. You did just recently wear one. I've never worn one in my life. Okay. So why are you looking at me like that? Like you're going to jump across the table and fight me. Because you're wrong. Should we I'm move right. on? Let's, yeah. More people should wear crop tops though. Less crop tops. Especially men. Okay. Well, uh, men can do it, but. Okay. Women do what you feel comfortable with. That's right, ladies. <laughs> but all men, like. You, ha- you must be objectified. I'm sorry. Get a crop top. Make one. I'll, t- I'll teach you. Cut off six to eight inches of the bottom of your shirt. <laughs> it's so hot. Don't go too far because then Can't when you, go lift, wrong. That's then when you lift your arms up, it's a danger shirt. All right. Well, that's enough crop top talk. You can check us out on our other episode of uh, CTT where we talk about crop tops all day, every day. Coming to the Quite Unusual Network it's, this fall. It's called Crop Top is Jericho. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. That's what we're naming it. Crop Top is Jericho. I like yep. it. It's the new podcast. And uh, so let's get into this, okay? Let's do it. Sweet listeners, if you will remember last week on Chris Benoit Part 1, we discussed who Chris Benoit is, was, was, was. Yes. He was a championship wrestler who made his way from Alberta, Canada to the dungeon, to Japan, across the United States, wrestling under various incredible names, which I would just like to name right now if you have a moment of your time, uh, like Pegasus Kid. Maybe you know him as Wild Pegasus. I don't know. Maybe you just know him as the Canadian Grippler. Or the Rabid Wolverine. Or the Rabid. He goes by many names. I wish he was Went the Rabid Pegasus. I can't speak today. I wish he was the Rabid Pegasus just like one time. I mean, he probably was at one time. At this point, Chris Benoit has broken necks. He's broken hearts. He's married a smoking hot babe named Nancy. They had a baby named Daniel. Then things got dark. After his bestie, Eddie Guerrero, who, if you'll all remember, became his very best friend after Chris knocked him unconscious. And then the first thing Eddie saw when he woke up was Chris, like from his like. It's like when that happens in a movie and it goes blurry mm-hmm. and then it comes into focus and it's just Chris Benoit's face standing over him. Yeah, exactly. Like like when a baby animal like imprints on its mother mm. and like that's the thing that it loves the most. Right, right. Yeah. So so that's what happened with them. Um, if you'll remember, Eddie died suddenly, leaving Chris just absolutely heartbroken and super depressed. Totally. Then Chris did the unspeakable, and he murdered his wife and his child. He then laid a Bible next to their bodies post-mortem, and he lived in the house with the bodies for, we're going to say at least two days, as far as we know. Uh, At least one. So, probably two. Like a solid 36 hours. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Then he proceeded to kill himself by breaking his own neck with the cord of his weight machine. Some could say his Bowflex turned into an oh-no flex. Oh, you just went there. I just went there. You took it even darker. I'm sorry. (laughs) And with that dark note, uh, we left you last week. So this week, we're going to get into his possible motives, his extensive brain damage, which I am very stoked to talk about. Yum. And the conspiracies behind the double murder-suicide, which I am so stoked for you to talk about, because that's my favorite part of this whole thing. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Some could say it's bonkers. 
It's insane. Have I been saying bonkers too much lately? I feel like I'm saying it all the time. I think this is the first time I've ever heard you say that. Perfect. So no. Perfect. My answer is no. All right. So I'm going to just turn off this bonkometer so that I don't have to count how often I say bonkers anymore. You have a bonkometer? I do. Should I turn the bonkometer off I think you should or turn it up? up? Turn it up? Turn it up. Should we bonk this bitch up? <laughs> Let's bonk it up, Let's baby. Let's fucking bonkers, people. Without further ado, Chris Benoit, a part I do. Oh, I see what you did there. I rhymed it because he's French. Little French Canadian. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, what could compel a man to kill his family and then himself in this manner? Was it roid rage? Was it drug abuse? Was it brain damage? These are all rhetorical questions because we think we know the answer. I'm pretty sure, yeah. At the time of his death, according to toxology reports, Chris Benoit had enormous amounts of testosterone in his body, even though he tested negative for steroid abuse just days before the murders. Testosterone was found in the Benoit house at the time of the deaths, and this obviously led people to believe that he was in some kind of, like, steroid-induced roid range. Yeah, I think that was, like, the first, when news hit, everyone believed that that's clearly what it had to have been. Right, because that's, I mean, roid rage, obviously. Yeah. In 2007, attorney for the WWE, Jerry McDevitt, said that Chris Benoit had been off steroids and was prescribed testosterone as a part of a treatment for testosterone replacement therapy. He suggested that he suffered testicular damage as a result of extreme steroid use in his youth, which I looked up. Mm -hmm. And basically, when you pump your body full of fake hormones, your body kind of stops making what it should be making. Oh, yeah, that like, tracks. Like, unless you have a deficiency already. Right. So how did, so it messed up his... Dick. It, like, made his... Well, his balls got, like, so... Oh, my so God. Little. So small. Like, Gross shockingly small i'm sure like marble size are we talking it's generous i think it's generous really? i don't know i don't know peas. what yes <laughs> without the pod mm -hmm. two peas in one very two small peas pod. in a tiny tiny pod i don't i don't know for sure but i think it's safe to say that's probably accurate that's okay <laughs> i don't know i'm not a medical doctor which i will talk about again later it's gonna like probably more like grapes right like a like a raisin maybe raisin okay raisins are Anyways, let's stop talking about wrinkled extremities and some balls. <laughs> so the lawyer continued stating, quote, they believe the facts of this crime do not support the hypothesis that, quote, roid rage played a role in the murders. The WWE especially cited evidence of premeditation and lack of human growth hormone, HGH, in the toxicology report. Because usually when people do, quote unquote, steroids, mm -hmm. it is human growth hormone that they're using. It's not just straight testosterone. Well, wasn't he using testosterone as a way to, like, ease his way because he had been using steroids? Oh, yeah. Like, he used steroids. Like he was prescribed. Didn't you say that he was prescribed testosterone? Yeah, 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 as, yeah. Like, a treatment. Almost. Yeah, but people see testosterone, they're like, oh, he's on steroids. But, like, um, that's not the case. Like, HGH right. is a steroid unless it's used for, like, a medical intervention. Um, otherwise, if you just inject it into your butt every day, then you're just, you're roiding out, man. Jeez. Yeah. Additionally, it is known that the withdrawal from HGH leads to mood swings more than the continued use of HGH, which is fun. Chris had been off HGH for several years at this point, so that shouldn't really play into this at all. Because mm -hmm. it's been a long time. So he was, he had taken steroids, mm -hmm. but Previously. at this point he wasn't like consistent with it. Yeah, he wasn't actively taking them. Okay. 
Xanax and hydrocodone were also found in Chris's body at levels investigators called consistent with therapeutic use. Mm. So in my opinion, we can completely rule out roid rage out of the equation. Like, I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, and obviously we're going to go further into Mm -hmm. it, but I think we know what the reason was. And yeah, if he's not on steroids, toxicology came back Mm -hmm. as not no steroids found in his system. Right. It's kind of hard to pin that as the reason. Yeah. Further autopsy results scanning Chris Benoit's brain function were the real key to the truth. Now, thanks to Will Smith, most of us know what CTE is. Will Oh, that movie Concussion. That movie Concussion starring Will Smith. Um, I believe it was co-starred by a concussion. I didn't never saw it. I a long, long time ago. I never saw it, so I don't I don't even know what it's about. Concussions, maybe? <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with concussions. It's just like a witty title. What a weird title. I know, right? For those of us that don't know, CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy, is the degeneration of a person's brain caused by repeated head trauma. So if you hit your head a lot, you probably have CTE. Yeah. Like... I'm not even kidding right now. Like, it's super bad to hit your brain. Like, I know we talked about that a little bit last episode, and it seems like we should all just know that. Yeah. But don't don't hit your brain, people. Don't hit your brain. Football players, boxers, wrestlers. Yeah. That's rough. Professional headbutters. Maybe get a new job. I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. Just don't headbutt things. Don't. The only way to accurately diagnose CTE is with a brain autopsy. Brains with CTE have a buildup of a protein called tau around the blood vessels. This causes atrophy of large sections of the brain. Nerve cells are affected as well, which block the brain from functioning properly and break down fine motor skills. People with CTE often show signs of early onset Alzheimer's, ALS, and Parkinson's. And results of tests in live patients can be inconclusive or given a false diagnosis. Basically, the only way to confirm a person has CTE is to to hold their dead brain in your hands. Wow. Mm -hmm. Frequent symptoms of those suffering with CTE are cognitive impairment, difficulty remembering, problems with carrying out tasks and staying on task. This kind of sounds like me at this point. (laughs) Impulsive behavior, aggression, deep depression, and apathy, suicidal ideation, and emotional instability. A very fun fact Maybe one of my favorite fun facts, like, of all time here, mm, okay. is that the human brain, at, like, its basic state, reverts to anger as its primary emotion. Oh, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Right? Okay, so the reason is that, like, this is the default, is because anger isn't processed in your brain as an emotion, but an action, like a gross motor skill. So when you're being angry, it doesn't, like, I know it sounds, like, insane, but your brain isn't like, I'm feeling an emotion right now. It's like, I'm doing a thing. I need to hit something as right. hard as I can. Yeah, right. that so, totally makes sense. Yeah, so when you're, yeah, so amazing, right? So mm-hmm. basically, it functions like a gross motor function. So people that have degenerative brain conditions are often very quick to anger and violence. Think about, like, uh, the elderly when they have, like, dementia or something. Mm-hmm. They're usually pretty freaking angry. <laughs> they are. Let's be honest, people. They're very um, mean. They're very mean. And it's because the way – also swearing, I think, is um, processed as a, like, an action, not an emotion. So people with, like, intense – oh, my God. So we're just, like, 
anger-filled then? Because yeah, we swear a lot. Nah, well, Almost too much, some people may say. Okay, well, those people are incorrect, so fuck <laughs> off. Um, I watched this really cool documentary, just side note here, um, from a professional snowboarder. Right. And he got, like, clotheslined and, like, smacked his head. And, like, he had insane, like, just brain damage. Yeah. And he developed, like, not Tourette's, but it was like a Tourette's like syndrome just from one hit to the head oh it was like really intense like he oh. like like half like of his motor functions were gone right. and like he was like almost in like a vegetative state but he could swear like a motherfucker <laughs> because it's the way your brain is just like this is yeah. an action this is an action I need to be doing this well and think of like serial killers too if oh, a lot of them like early it. like head trauma like uh-huh. um the night stalker oh yeah he had like as a kid got hit in the head with like a swing or something and a lot of people think that that's what like flipped him over to the dark side i have some serial killer stats in a minute oh if you want to okay perfect hold on to your tits here i'm holding them okay at the time of chris benoit's death cte was not widely known and actually there's still very little that we do know about cte and the brain as a whole just across the board When Chris died in that horrific murder-suicide, there were only four known cases of CTE, all of which were shown in NFL players. One of the players cited hearing voices in his head, two died by suicide, and the third died in a really horrific car accident. Chris Benoit would be the very first wrestler to be diagnosed with CTE. So we're seeing a theme already. One was hearing voices, Mm -hmm. two died by suicide. Mm -hmm. I mean, the third, that's just an accident, but... yeah. But That's, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we briefly spoke about on the last episode, Chris had become very paranoid in his last few months before this tragic event. It seemed to have started when his contract renewal with WWE was coming up. He was scared that they were going to cut his pay. Mm-hmm. And he got like super like aggressive and like passive aggressive about it. If you remember, this wasn't the case at all. Like Chris was actually planned to win the title at the Vengeance pay-per-view event that he never showed up to. Right. Yeah, which you explained how wrestling works last episode. So if nobody knows, like, <laughs> you gotta me, go back and listen to it. Then. It's insane if you're not listening to this as the second part. Like, bonkers. I mean, honestly, bing. <laughs> I mean, maybe they like to live on the wild side. Go second part first. Can you imagine? It would be insane. But yeah, it's a clusterfuck. It's unknown if Chris knew about this plan at the time. And if he did know, if he would even believe that he was slated to be the champion oh he 100 percent knew that's how they fight that when they wrestle they are it's choreographed okay so yes, then 100 percent, he knew okay. everyone else knew too like cm punk knew he was supposed to lose he knew he was supposed to take the title okay they don't just wrestle and whoever wins, wins. well no, no no i know that but like okay then why why was he so weird about like being afraid that they were going to cut his pay and they were going to like fire him and stuff i don't know i never heard that i oh really yeah okay well i read that t- literally today <laughs> So, Chris was obsessed with the thought that his family was also being followed. He would tell Nancy that she had to be very careful because people were stalking them. Mm -hmm. He claimed that he had to take different routes to throw his stalkers off of his trail. At one point, it was confirmed that Chris was taking upwards of 100 different routes to and from the airport and his gym to avoid being quote-unquote followed. How in the world... (laughs) Just like zigging and zag Frogger style is what I'm like imagining. Different side streets. I, wow. Pulling the driveways back and out. Like, I don't know, man. Going back and forth. Yeah. 
Doing a couple donuts in a parking lot here and there. Yeah. Something I want to bring up that is just like complete speculation on my part, but like bear with me here. I feel like it's a real possibility that Chris honestly sometimes probably just didn't remember how to get there. That actually, that's a possibility. Right? So like maybe he starts going one way and he's like, oh, wait. And then he like goes another way and he's doing all this stuff. And then to kind of like cover his tail because clearly like where's he going um he's like well clearly um i need to to tighten up on security here because i'm being followed well maybe it was a little bit of both i mean we do know his brain was pretty jumbled up in there so maybe it was a combination of the fact that he thought people were following him and then also while he was taking these different routes he Uh was like wait where am i yeah and didn't know right because this was before gps yeah no one had gps on their cell phones people used maps MapQuest was the go-to. We, as a geography podcast, have to tell you that those were the dark ages. They were. When you had to print out directions on how to get somewhere, and then you had to bring them with you in the car. And then you missed a turn, you're like, okay, well, this is unhelpful. Because the map is, like, an inch by an inch big, and, like, you can't read any of it. Then you had to stop and, like, ask someone. Oh, my God. You had to talk to a person. Who did that? Why would you do that? It's crazy. You see that... Chris, his brain, was so deteriorated that he showed extreme damage to all four lobes and his brain stem. So we're talking like a 360 of damage here. Yeah, the whole shebang. That's right. One report from West Virginia University who studied his brain said, quote, Benoit's brain was so severely damaged, it resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Yeah. And along with sustained traumatic injuries and the deterioration of a brain, we often see psychosis. I do like how I said uh, we often see psychosis. Like I'm a part of like the medical community because I feel like I am at this point. With, that like, was very all of the yeah, things. doctor of you. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be part of the medical community if it wasn't illegal to print your own diplomas. Right. And I mean, just uh, as like a disclaimer here, neither one of us are doctors. So Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, at least. You could call me doctor. Please. Dr. Noel. I need this. Dr. Captain Rough Rider. Don't be weird. Dr. Dr. Captain. Dr. Frost. Dr. Dr. Matt, Matt Frost. Frost Esquire. Please. <laughs> is how I'd like to Done. be referred. Done. Thank you. So uh, we in the medical community often see psychosis go hand in hand with brain damage at the severity that Chris had. Often there's a delay between the brain injury and the presentation of psychotic symptoms, but this can range anywhere from a few days up to 20 years after an injury. Wow. When a person experiences brain injury, like let's say, I don't know, hypothetically, from like jumping off of the wrestling ropes, like headfirst into another person's body, whatever. Just well, a, yeah, like headbutting is your signature move. Like it's like a hypothetical one. <laughs> um, they usually won't show any outward proof of an internal brain injury right away. Even a concussion can be very hard to diagnose without brain scans. Between 4 and 9% of people that have sustained brain damage to their frontal and temporal lobes will show psychosis exhibited as paranoia. And obviously... Wait, you said only 4 to 9%? Yeah. That's a low number. I would think it would be more than that. Uh, that's how it exhibits as paranoia. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of people get psychosis because, like, your brain's all damaged. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, we can't say for sure, but it does seem like this is causing Chris Benoit's paranoia. Yeah, I would say it definitely plays a huge part. Mm-hmm. And as a super fun statistic, which I promised, 64% of serial killers have had their brain that have had their brains studied have damage to their frontal lobes. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Because this part of the brain regulates attention spans, uh, your reward-seeking behavior. So, like, your desire to just fit into a society at just, like, a base level and, like, not be seen as, like, a fucking creep that murders people. When that just doesn't exist. <laughs> when that's missing, you don't care if people see you that way. You just don't care about anything. No. This also regulates our understanding and reaction to the feelings of other people, and it controls and forms our memories. It also regulates our impulse control, which is very, very important, so that we don't do something impulsive, like, I don't know, strangle our wife to death. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Benoit showed extensive damage to his brain, and without a doubt, suffered from CTE. At a conference in 2007, Julian, I'm going to say Ooh, how are we saying it? Bailey's? I like Bailey's. Bailey's? Bales? Bales? Bales or Bailey's? JB, the chief of <laughs> neurosurgery at West Virginia University, who, like I said, was studying Chris's brain, said, quote, when the Sports Legacy Institute approached Michael Benoit about testing Chris's brain as a part of the Sports Legacy Project, our goal was to determine if there was evidence of CTE caused by repeated trauma to the head sustained during Chris Benoit's career. We have now confirmed multiple concussions are a part of his medical history, along with clinical symptoms associated with CTE. Because my SLI colleagues and I found evidence of CTE in the brains of four former professional football players, we felt an examination of Chris Benoit's brain may bring awareness to CTE's existence outside of boxers and football players. The findings of CTE in Chris Benoit suggest that there may be a common syndrome among athletes who suffer multiple head injuries in contact sports. Yeah, no shit. Again, don't hit your head on things. Yeah. (laughs) Don't slam your head against a wall or like, I don't know, in a person's stomach jumping from the high ropes. Don't do it. It's not good. Don't do it. A former wrestler by the name of Christopher Nowinski believed that he himself suffered from CTE after six concussions. He retired at the age of 24, and he dedicated his life to becoming an expert on CTE. Wow, good choice. Yeah. He believes that Chris Benoit suffered innumerable concussions, and he was completely ignored. When I was listening to that super great podcast, Life is Jericho, by former wrestler and friend of Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho. I think it's it's Talk is Jericho, isn't is it? Is it? Yeah. Is it Talk is Jericho or it's Life Crop is Jericho? Crop Top is Jericho. Crop Top is Jericho. <laughs> Thank you. It is Talk is Jericho. Why did I say life? Because life <laughs> because is life Jericho. life is Jericho. Damn, you're right. Life is Chris Jericho. It is Chris Jericho. He had Christopher Nowinski on as a guest, and he said in the interview that he once had a headache for five months straight. What? Yeah, following a head injury, but he was so afraid to tell anyone because he would have seemed weak. How do you... How do you do that? He said that his head hurt so fucking bad yeah. that he was, like, dizzy all the time. I Like, if I have a headache, I am down for the count. Like, You're not a professional wrestler. You're not wrestling. You're not making money. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah we mentioned that, yeah, in yeah. the last episode. But still. Mm-hmm. He was afraid to be fired. And, I mean, honestly, it just kind of seems like that's what you did. Like, you just powered through the pain. Like, yeah. if you had an injury, you just fought through it and you wore it as, like, a badge of honor. Yeah, because if you stops then you were no longer relevant and nobody gave a shit about you and your career was just out the door right chris nowinski said quote chris benoit was one of the only guys who would take a chair shot to the back of the head jesus which is stupid it's very very stupid but i mean that's what they did back then like even think of the wrestling scene in shrek where they're like give him the chair 
Right. Like, that's like a classic. Like, that's how all of us non-wrestling fans know of wrestling. It's like, get in the right. chair. And you want to make it seem realistic. But regardless, either way you're doing it, getting hit in the back of the head with a chair is going to cause some damage. Like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Chris Nowinski claimed that Chris Benoit had reached out to him before his death to ask him about CTE. <sighs> and he just wanted to, like, kind of pick his brain and see if Chris thought he had CTE. That breaks my heart. I know. I mean, like, they literally tried to get together and then, like, their schedules didn't line up and they just weren't able to meet up before it was too late. I know. It's so sad. If only. If only. In 2009, another wrestler named Andrew Tess Martin died and he was also diagnosed with CTE. Andrew Martin had become addicted to oxycodone as a result of extreme pain from his wrestling career. A dependence on prescription painkillers is another side effect of CTE, I learned. Because if you constantly have head injuries and headaches and I'm sure your head hurts you feel like shit and like your spine is compressed, yeah. you you start taking increasingly stronger painkillers. Well, yeah. Actually, that's a good point, too. Not even just speaking of head injuries. I'm mm-hmm. sure former wrestlers, their bodies are just like... Oh, I'm sure they're all They've gone, up. like, yeah, gone through the ringer, like... I can't imagine. They're probably all on, like, some sort of muscle relaxer, like, constantly. I'm a 31-year-old woman, and if I sleep on the wrong pillow... Yeah. I wake up with neck pain. I Yeah, I literally just started a program. Actually, I'm getting cupping today. Oh, my God. Yay! Get cupped up, girl. But, yeah, I wake up with, like, back pains every single day, and I'm not a wrestler, nor have mm-hmm. I ever been. <laughs> Do you ever walk upstairs? <laughs> it hurts so bad. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Julian, oh, what were we saying, JB? Julian JB. Bales? JB. One on ESPN to discuss the death. Here is a quote from the show. They said, quote, When we announced our findings about Chris, some in the media said it was roid rage. We said at the time the real finding was that repeated head trauma was the cause. With Andrew Martin as the second case, the WWE and the sport in general has to ask themselves, is this a trend? The science tells us that jumping off 10-foot ladders and slamming people with tables and chairs is simply bad for the brain. Yeah, it is. As if, I don't know, I feel like that should just be something that people just know. Yeah, like it's not good for the brain. There shouldn't, like a scientist shouldn't have to tell you that. 100%, right? Yeah. The WWE was absolutely pissed. They released their own statement, which, honestly, looking back, is very embarrassing. Well, they had to cover their asses. They said, quote, While this is a new emerging science, the WWE is unaware of the veracity of any of these tests. Be it for Chris Benoit or Andrew Martin, Dr. Amalu claims that Mr. Benoit had a brain that resembled an 85-year-old with Alzheimer's, which would lead one to ponder how Mr. Benoit would have found his way to an airport, let alone been able to remember all of the moves and information that is required to perform in the ring. That's not... That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing, yeah. You can't... And he didn't know how to get to the gym or the airport. He clearly (laughs) fucking did not. He took hundreds of routes. Yeah. And even if you want to go further than that and argue, like, well, how do you remember all those wrestling moves? It's called muscle memory for a reason. And he didn't have Alzheimer's. No. His brain brain resembled someone that could. So it's not like he was, yeah, 
that's stupid yeah it was it, that's honestly embarrassing but they're like oh <laughs> yeah it wasn't our fault thanks though in the next few years brain autopsies of famous wrestlers like axel rotten my personal favorite balls mahoney Woo! jimmy snooka <laughs> i'm just gonna do that every time i like something now can you I'm gonna become rick flair okay and i'm gonna yell that's bonkers <laughs> Mr. Fuji and Ron Bass have revealed extreme cases of CTE at the time of their death. Since these findings, over 60 wrestlers and the representative of deceased wrestlers have filed lawsuits against the WWE, claiming that the WWE concealed the risks of injury, specifically that of CTE, from their employees. This part makes me very angry. District Judge Vanessa Lynn Bryant dismissed the lawsuits in September of 2018. She claimed that the Chris Benoit murder-suicide did not cause the WWE to recognize a link between CTE and professional wrestling. Um, How? But stated, quote, The circumstances surrounding Mr. Benoit's death were so tragic and so horrifying that it would have been reasonable for his fellow wrestlers to follow news developments about him and about CTE, through which they could have deducted that they were at risk of developing CTE and sought medical opinions about risks to their own health. So she was like, why don't you do your own research? Basically. But she also said that the um, prof- the murder-suicide didn't cause a link between CTE and professor- professional wrestling, which yeah. it absolutely did. Because 100%. they tested his brain and he found out he had CTE. 100%. So how, how does that even make sense? I don't know. You want to get more annoying? Yeah. The United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit Court also rejected an appeal in September 2020, and the Supreme Court of the United States declined to hear the case in 2021. Mm. But I think I can speak for all of us when I say, fuck the Supreme Court. Yeah, fuck the Supreme Court. Fuck the Supreme Court. Gonna say it, stand by that. Yeah. Well, as if this whole story isn't sad and tragic enough, there's also some wild conspiracies surrounding the case. And you know, we here at Quite Unusual love a good conspiracy. Conspiracy corner. We really have to come up with a jingle for that. Okay, I'll write one. Do, do, do. Can it just be like a series of bells? And like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, ding, it needs ding, to be ding, weird. Ding. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Do you like that? Remember right, it, because yeah. I have I have the brain of the Get your bells outside. out. Get your bells out, ladies. <laughs> so 14 hours. <laughs> Before police entered the Benoit house for a welfare check, leading them to the to the discovery of the bodies, an edit was made to the Chris Benoit Wikipedia page. <gasps> At 12.26 a.m. on Monday, June 25th, remember the bodies were found Monday, June 25th at 2.39 p.m., so this was 14 hours before mm-hmm. nobody knew anything. An anonymous edit from IP address 69. Nice. Nice. Dot. Is a dot or point? I, did, I feel like you could say whatever. The dot. Who cares? Dot 120.111.23. Of course. Made an edit to the talk page of a Wiki News article. The edit stated that on the June 11th edition of Raw, Benoit was drafted from SmackDown to ECW as a part of the WWE brand extension. After losing a match to Bobby Lashley, Benoit won his ECW 
debut match teaming up with CM Punk and defeating Elijah Burke and Marcus Corvan by disqualification. This is going to be a lot of like wrestling words for I a like while. It. But this I like is, it. It's hard to understand. This is not it. Some of you will get it. Some of you won't. With Lashley's draft to Raw, the ECW World Championship was vacated. Benoit then defeated Elijah Burke to be a contender for the vacated championship. Could have been a contender. And will face fellow contender CM Punk at Vengeance. However, Chris Benoit was replaced by Johnny Nitro for the ECW Championship match at Vengeance, as Benoit was not there due to personal issues, stemming from the death of his wife, Nancy. 14 hours before. 14 hours before anyone knew that anyone was murdered or anything. That's wild. There was no mention of his son dying or Chris dying. It was just Nancy who was mentioned. And this addition was reported on Wiki News and then later on Fox News. To make it even more strange, the IP address of the editor was traced to Stamford, Connecticut. What's in Stamford, Connecticut? Which is also the location of the WWE headquarters. <gasps> Super fishy, right? Um, honestly, that's bonkers. Kind of fucking weird. However, the anonymous editor came forward and explained that his edit was just a huge coincidence and nothing more. Which, that is a huge fucking coincidence Mm -hmm. all around. It's actually kind of bonkers. It is bonkers, dude. Freaking bonkometers through the roof right now. About an hour later, the post was taken down as a Wikipedia moderator said they needed a reliable source. Because claiming the death of a person is a Mm. pretty big statement, and you need something to back it up, just other than just Uh, you thinking that's what happened. Yeah, like, no, 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 I'm I'm pretty pretty sure that's what happened. But I mean, if I gotta say something, like those damn Wikipedia editors. We have been trying to get a Wikipedia page forever fucking months and they won't they won't give it they won't give it to us they don't consider us a podcast apparently so i mean wikipedia if you're listening they're not that's (laughs) the problem totally not that's the problem but anyways about an hour after that a second anonymous editor made another edit about chris benoit's no show stating According to several pro wrestling websites, Um, his no-show was attributed to the passing of his wife, Nancy. This IP address, however, was traced to a computer hooked up to an Australian-based wireless internet provider. But all that ever was revealed of this person was that they were a Sydney resident. Mm. So they're... They were never ID'd or like, this man did this. Or woman. You never know. Who knows? Their edit was also taken down about 20 minutes after, stating several wrestling sites was yeah. not a reliable source. Yes, I Like, agree we need that. an article. I we agree. need some proof here. Real proof. Detectives seized the computer equipment from the man who was responsible for the edit in Stamford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they called his act an unbelievable hindrance to their investigation. Yeah, dude. But based on evidence, they deemed the man was otherwise uninvolved with anything having to do with the double murder-suicide, and they actually declined to press charges. Okay. I mean, it was it, it was just a really weird fucking coincidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was missing. There had to be a reason. And as we mentioned in the first part, yeah. 
Chris Benoit never missed anything. Never. So if he was going to miss, it had to be for a huge specific reason. And yeah. the death of his wife. Pretty huge and specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The man who posted the first edit claimed that he found several rumors online stating Nancy's passing, and that's why he used it for the reason that Benoit missed the match. The IP address was also traced to vandalizing various other Wikipedia entries, mm, okay. such as the entries for African Wild Ass, yeah, nice. the Bronx, yeah, nice. the Sopranos, Gabagool. Ron Artest. Don't know who that is. Meta World Peace. Oh, shit. He has a Lakers. real name. He has a human name. He, everyone has a human name. <laughs> Do they? Stacey Keebler. Don't know who that is. Who is also a former wrestler. Okay. And then Nagatuck, Connecticut. That's where my enemy lives. Really? I don't want to talk about it on the air. <laughs> Did I say that right, though? I don't is think Is that so. how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, that's how my enemy pronounces All it. All right. <laughs> but despite his vandalism acts, he also reverted Wikipedia vandalism to Chavo Guerrero Jr.'s page, and then correctly recorded a loss for the Golden State Warriors. Oh, okay. So this guy's just all over the place. So he's not that bad of a guy, you know? He's just a guy. He's just like a guy doing things on Wikipedia. Like, who hasn't been there? And I mean, I can sympathize with this man because I, too, am a Wikipedia vandalizer. For a righteous cause. I tried to edit the Wikipedia page for Displains, Illinois, to show that Noel and I were notable people. Mm-hmm. From Displains. Mm -hmm. But someone mm -hmm. removed my edit after literally like 30 minutes. It was yeah. so soon. Yeah. Which, you know what? I think is bullshit. It is bullshit because we're from Displains. We're from Displains and we have a podcast. We sure do. So, I mean, one day, one day, we will make it under the notable people from Displains page and it will be the best day of our lives. Yeah. And if anyone is listening to this, if anyone at all, if you can hear me, please edit the Displains Illinois Wikipedia Just page. constantly do it. If it comes from multiple different places, maybe they'll just leave it alone. This is our one goal in life. That's We don't even care about anything I else. I don't care. We just want to make it to the notable people section of the Wikipedia. I have stopped paying attention to my wife and children because I am solely devoted to making this happen in real life. Wife and children? Who are they? Exactly. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I care about the wiki. I know. It's all we care about. <laughs> Anyways, the anonymous editor who has decided to remain anonymous issued the following apology. Read it like someone that would edit Wikipedia, please. Hey, everyone. Yes. I am here to talk about the Wikipedia comment that was left by myself. I just want to say that it was an incredible coincidence. Last weekend, I heard about Chris Benoit no-showing vengeance because of a family emergency, and I had heard rumors about why that was. I was reading rumors and speculation about this matter online, and one of them included that his wife may have passed away, and I did the wrong thing by posting it on Wikipedia. I think I'm getting a little bit of Elizabeth Holmes in there I, now. You know what? It's like, getting a little Holmesy, but I like it. I'm respecting you. By posting it to Wikipedia, despite there being no evidence, I posted my speculation on the situation at the time, and I am deeply sorry about this, and I was just as shocked as everyone, when I heard that this actually would happen in real life. It is one of those things that just turned into a huge coincidence. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? That night, I found out that what I posted ended up actually happening. A one in 10,000 chance of happening. Okay, well, I don't think that that statistic is correct, but okay. <laughs> you just, like, made that up. Or so I thought. I was beyond wrong for posting wrongful information, and I am sorry to everyone for this. I just wanted 
everyone to know it was stupid of me and I will never do anything like that again. I just posted something that was at that time a piece of wrong unsourced information that is typical on Wikipedia as it is done all the time. Nonetheless, I feel incredibly bad for all the attention this got because of the fact that what I said turned out to be the truth. He just like repeats himself several times. This is the longest times. fucking thing. Should we go through the rest of it or do we want to? Uh, can we summarize the rest? I don't know. It's up to you, man. Okay. Well, basically he says, I'm not going to do that voice anymore. <laughs> no, I feel like it's going to like hurt your throat at some point. Yeah. I'm going to like wake up with no mm. voice. Basically, he says it again. It was a huge coincidence. He's learned from his experience. He was saddened and stunned when mm. it happened. He just like honestly goes on and repeats himself all the time. Yeah. He clearly states that he's not, I am not connected to WWE or Benoit at all in any way. I am from Stanford, as the IP address shows, and I am just an everyday individual who posted a wrongful remark at that time. It just receives a lot of attention because it actually happened. Mm-hmm. He just continues and says it was a huge tragedy that no one saw coming and that I, w- I hope to put an end to this speculation that somehow I somehow knew about the tragedy before it was discovered. It was just a rumor that I had heard from other people online who were speculating what the family emergency Chris was attending to. So I guess they must have announced that the reason he wasn't there was because of a family emergency yeah. and this led people to speculate mm. it was probably a death. Right. And his closest person to him is his wife. Right. And then he even states in here, I know I keep repeating it, but I feel terrible about the mainstream coverage this has received. Since it was only a huge coincidence. Man, if I had a dollar every time this guy said, like, huge coincidence. Should we start the coincidence meeting? (laughs) It was only a huge coincidence and a terrible event that should have never happened. I am not sure how to react as hearing about my message becoming a huge part of the Benoit slayings made me feel feel terrible as everyone believes that it is connected to the tragedy. But it was just an awful coincidence. That is all I have to say. I will never post anything here again unless it is pure fact. No spam, nothing like that. Thank you. And let this end this chapter of the Benoit story. And hopefully one day we will find out why this tragedy ever actually happened. Um, you know, he says that he's never going to post anything on there except for pure fact. Mm. And he just keeps editing the African wild ass page <laughs> to make the photo a picture of Elon Musk. Oh, who's but that's Africa's fact. most that's, wild ass. That's fact, though. Correct. He's not lying. Correct. But Wikipedia keeps taking it down. Well, you know what? Maybe if he put it on Africa's biggest ass... That that might be more factual, actually. Billionaire ass. <laughs> Another wild theory emerged regarding the murders, mostly because the people who knew Chris and were close with him could just like absolutely not fathom that he could do anything like this. So people started to look for outside sources, other people who may be responsible for the deaths. One theory was that Chris actually didn't kill anyone, but that his suicide was staged. Okay, this is crazy. This is the bonkers theory. This is bonkers. The theory was that Nancy Benoit's ex-husband, Kevin Sullivan, who we talked about earlier on, Mm -hmm. if you remember, Chris Benoit stole Nancy away from him, and he booked his own divorce, blah, 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 blah. Through a plot that Kevin himself wrote. (laughs) Yeah. Like... Terrible decision, Kevin. Yeah. 
Anyways, the theory is that Kevin Sullivan was responsible for the murders because he was a Satanist. Oh, my God. All this Satanist talk. Just, yeah, like, I just eye roll out of my head Who on the ground. Who has not been told that we are a Satanist? Honestly, I'm pretty sure my grandma thinks I'm a Satanist, so... I got fired for being a Satanist. <laughs> like, everyone thinks everyone's a fucking Satanist. At this point, let's just fucking embrace it. Let's, I let's just do it. Anyways, Nancy... Like we explained in the first section, Nancy was a valet for Kevin, basically a manager. She was a pretty woman who was alongside him, was a part of his entourage. She didn't wrestle, but she was in the Kevin Sullivan crew. And Nancy and Kevin were a part of this wrestling group called the Satanists. Oh. And you guessed right. Mm -hmm. Their gimmick was that they were all Satanists. Sure. And if you remember, Nancy was known as Fallen Angel before being called Woman. Yeah. So because of this persona that Kevin perpetrated on TV, some just completely idiotic people believed Kevin and I guess his Satanist friends went to the Benoit house to exact revenge on Nancy and Chris and that they killed them and then staged it to make it look like a double murder-suicide. One day, I would love to do an episode on the Satanic Panic and how it has touched the most ridiculous fucking parts of society. Yeah. Almost, I would say probably... Close to 50% of all of the episodes that we do. And not even just, like, murder or... There's always something. Always something about someone being blamed for being a Satanist and it's their fault. Yeah. So it's like, okay, um, take it down a notch. Right. Obviously, this is not true, like, in any sense at all. It's literally just people grasping at straws because no one wanted to believe Chris Benoit did what he actually did. In other weirdness... Bob Holly, or Hardcore Holly, for all you uh, wrestling fans out there. What a cute name. He was actually invited to the Benoit house the Friday Chris killed Nancy. Oh, shit. Bob had gone to Atlanta for some business, so Chris invited him invited him to come over and to see him. But Bob was like, no, no, no. It's your day off. You should spend it with your family. Uh... But Chris was insistent saying that, oh, he didn't mind, Nancy doesn't mind, you should just come over for dinner. But Bob didn't show up. So Chris gave him a call, and in the call seemed pretty angered by him not showing up. Oh, really? And this is a quote from Hardcore Holly. He said he was like, why the heck aren't you coming here? Fuck this. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I wanted to see you. (gasps) And I guess Chris at this point was leaving Dr. Aston's office and he was like, this is when he called him. Wow. But other than that, Bob says it was just small talk. So I think he was, like, kind of mad, but he was just like, come on, man. Like, what the fuck? So yeah. he wasn't, like, yelling at him. Like, you I get, fucking yeah. bitch. Like, oh, you're in the area. Why don't you fucking yeah. come over, you stupid? Right. Chris mentioned in this phone call also that Nancy was acting like Hitler again. She grew that tiny mustache. Yeah, she, she loved that mustache. She, she looked, <laughs> honestly, she was one of the only people that could ever pull it off. Anyways, Bob knew that they were having issues at the time because he knew that Nancy wanted Chris to quit wrestling and she was just sick of his steroid use Mm. and everything that just came along with Mm. it. So who knows what would have happened had Bob Holly gone that night? Would Nancy and Daniel still be alive? Mm. Would Bob Holly be dead? Whoa. No one knows. 
But he invited him over that night, which shows me that it wasn't a premeditated thing, yeah. more of like a heat of the moment thing. Oh, when it happened, absolutely. And like, I bet, I bet Bob Holly thinks about it all the oh, fucking yeah. time. Oh yeah, That's you dark. have to. In the aftermath of this horrible tragedy, once more details were released. Like I mentioned in part one, when more of the details were released about what actually happened, the WWE immediately backpedaled from the whole thing. At the time when the tribute was done, they only knew that the three of the Benoit family, that they were dead. No other information was released. Yeah, we we put on our story, or I'm sorry, on our actual Instagram page, yeah. Um, we put their like Vince McMahon's announcement, so yeah. you can watch like the it intro if you to haven't. the tribute. Yeah, it's weird. The news was first reported to fans via their WWE mobile alert service, and then it was posted to their official website. After the company released the following statement: "Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Last night on Monday Night Raw." The WWE presented a special tribute show recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now some 26 hours later, the facts of this horrific tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name tonight. On the contrary, tonight's show will be dedicated to everyone who was affected by this terrible incident. This evening marks the first step of the healing process. Tonight, WWE performers will do what they do better than anyone in the world, entertain you. So this was the night after the tribute aired, and Vince McMahon went on air to talk. And it was just 26 hours after he had gone yeah. and done a tribute yeah. to Chris Benoit. I mean, honestly, they really jumped the gun on that tribute, but um, I'm going to stand by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they really backpedaled pretty hard. Very hard. The WWE website removed all past mentions of Benoit, including his biography and the video tribute made and that was aired from his peers and basically anything that was related to the incident. They kept his results and listings in WWE's title history, though summaries of his title reigns were removed. If you go on their website, his name will his name appears in black instead of blue like the others, so you can't click on his name for any more information. The tribute episode was pulled from international markets. They aired Raw on a tape delay basis, and it was just withheld for legal re- reasons. It was replaced with a substitute episode hosted by Todd Grisham, which just featured recaps of John Cena's wins over the past year. Okay, I mean, good save of face. <laughs> yeah. Countries that received WWE programming three weeks later had episodes that had all of the Chris Benoit matches edited out. All Chris Benoit merchandise was pulled from WWEshop.com. Whenever possible, all mentions of Chris Benoit have been removed from archived footage from WWE Classics. And actually, at first, they wanted to take out any and all footage of Nancy Benoit, too. Oh, I don't like that. And they did, which to me is just in complete poor taste. Yeah, she was a victim. Right. But they decided against it, and her appearance, her appearances were allowed to stay, eventually. Fine. Any new DVD or game released by the WWE, Chris Benoit does not appear in. Or if he does, it's only very rare and mostly because they couldn't figure out a way to edit him out. Yeah. Because he was so, I mean, he was a superstar. Yeah. So. 
Benoit was completely removed from WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2008, the video game, along with his Crippler Crossface uh, signature move and his diving headbutt move. I mean, that's kind of what got us into this mess. Yeah. Yeah. However, the move, the crossface, was later reintroduced into WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2010. So they just, like, removed the crippler part, which, like, connected it to Chris Benoit. Sure. Wrestlers were instructed not to talk about Chris, and the WWE basically erased him from all history. Vince McMahon appeared on a lot of news stations denying roid rage as being the cause and Mm. said steroids had absolutely nothing to do with it. Oh, my God. And then that hit song came out, uh, We Don't Talk About Benoit. (laughs) That was just on the radio all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. We don't talk about Benoit. (laughs) The WWE has made it clear that they don't believe Chris Benoit should ever be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I kind of agree. Uh, I can see. Leave it where it is. Arguments for both sides. I feel like if he was in there, he shouldn't have been taken out. But since he wasn't put in there, maybe don't don't put him in. Yeah. But they were basically just trying to cover their asses because initial media coverage was stating roid roid rage as the cause. And they were also trying to save professional wrestling because this incident almost ruined them did it really Mm -hmm. wow before this tragedy the wwe had already implemented a program as a response to drug abuse and steroid use in the industry many people believed that this was also in response to the bad press the company got Mm. after the death of eddie guerrero since his death was directly related to his drug abuse and aggressive workout regimen Yeah, he died of, like, a heart complication, right? That's what we said last time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was an enlarged heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the drugs, steroids he was using. The wellness program was instituted on February 27th, 2006. The program consists of two different programs, one to test for drug abuse and the other to test for the physical well-being of the wrestlers. The program was implemented to ban wrestlers from abusing prescription drugs or performance-enhancing drugs. Most wrestlers who died early, like Eddie, were found to have prescription drugs and or performance-enhancing drugs in their system, directly relating to their early demise. Makes total sense. The program required wrestlers to undergo an extensive cardiovascular test, It was designed to make sure that the wrestlers were physically up to par and able to perform in a healthy way. So just making sure that their body was able to, I don't know, be slammed against a fucking chair or table. Oh, sure. Yeah, Repeatedly. Mm -hmm. They supposedly subject the wrestlers to random drug tests throughout the year. Or if a wrestler tested positive, Mm -hmm. then they obviously would go back and test him. More so than the other ones. The first time they fail, they are suspended for 30 days without pay. They may appear on TV broadcasted shows, but no house shows. So if you're, like, a part of a storyline, you okay. can't just go missing. Because they need you, yeah. Yeah, they'll allow you to, to do that, but mm-hmm. all of the house shows, they won't allow you to. Which I also read that apparently wrestlers make a good portion of their money from house shows. Well, if that's the majority of what they're so, doing, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. If they fail a second time, they will be suspended for 60 days and may be placed in a rehab center for substance abuse. If they test positive a third time, 
it's an automatic termination. Wow. It sounds super fantastic and great for athletes in a sport that is so heavily focused on your body and how big you are, right? Well, it sounds good on paper, but in actuality, the program was kind of a joke. Okay, also, like, can we just talk about how these people are, they need to be massive. Like, they need to be huge, basically. So, like, how do you get to that fucking size without extreme exercise, extreme diet, and steroid use. And then if you're constantly getting slammed into walls and stuff, probably in a lot of pain all of the time. Isn't it crazy that the this program was implemented in 2006 yes it also sounds insane like up until that point it was just like do whatever you want hope you don't die yeah they probably gave them steroids before 2006 probably in the months leading up to the murders nancy and chris exchanged a series of text messages in which nancy complains about his steroid use and how the wellness program was a joke so if you everyone in wrestling, they all mm. knew it was a joke. It was yeah. just, like, to show face that, like, yeah, we understand that this is dangerous and there's, like, drug abuse, but we're not really going to do anything about it. Yeah, and also, I'm sure if you were, like, one of, like, the big names, like, they'd probably look the other way. Oh, totally. On May 9th, 2007, Nancy wrote the following text to Chris. And remember, the murders took place the weekend of June 24th, 2007. Okay. So this was a little over a month before. Mm -hmm. She wrote, I will not accept this steroid-induced roller coaster ride of emotional abuse. Ignoring the problem or running away isn't going to help you face it. You need professional help, and only if you're fully honest about all of it. Get off the stuff, she wrote. It's obvious I'm probably not the only one who can see, and we both know the wellness program is a joke. Are you trying to say this is how you grew up, watching your dad call your mom names and making her cry? She wrote. No. Then what gives you the right? Because Nancy was pushing hard for Chris to retire from wrestling. Yeah, like we said um, last episode, I mean, she was... At this point, she had a restraining order. She let it go. Yeah. Um, but she was terrified because she loved Chris. She And she knew that it was ruining him, and she knew it was directly drug-related. Yeah, of course. In August of 2007, the wellness program, so this is after the murders, the wellness program came under fire due to several illegal pharmacy busts that linked WWE performers to steroids, even with the wellness program supposedly in place. Supposedly. 11 wrestlers were suspended for violating the program following the bust. So even with the program in place, wrestlers were still purchasing steroids and they were still using them. The WWE defended the wellness program throughout this whole scandal. Of course they did. Oh, yeah. Following the scandal, the WWE was under investigation by the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform regarding their wellness program. Congress ended up taking zero action against the WWE. In January 2009, outgoing chairman Henry Waxman requested that the Office of National Drug Control Policy, Chief John P. Walters, he requested that he examine steroid use in professional wrestling and take appropriate steps to address the problem. In his letter, Mr. Waxman stated... In the first year of WWE's testing program, which began in March 2006, 
40% of wrestlers tested positive for steroids and other drugs, even after being warned in advance that they were going to be tested. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? If you're addicted to something, you're not, yeah. not going to take it. And they, like, needed it for their – or so they thought. Yeah. He explained that the wrestlers who end up testing positive go on to receive little to no punishment. That is not surprising. Especially if they are a popular title-holding athlete. Also very – we literally just said that. Yep. The investigation showed that wrestlers can obtain these banned drugs for – therapeutic use exemptions mm, like so that's the yeah that's the workaround yeah mr waxman's staff interviewed a doctor contracted by wwe and claimed there was shadiness in almost every case he reviewed on july 14th 2007 a memorial for nancy and daniel took place in daytona beach florida the pair were cremated and their ashes were placed in starfish shaped urns oh that's so cute i know Jim Ross, or JR, attended as a representative for the for the WWE, and absolutely no one wanted him there. Nancy's sister, Sandra, who we talked about before, says that she yelled at him, and she just was like, you shouldn't be here, basically. Yeah. And no other wrestlers attended, because the family just wanted it to be private, and I mean, they all... I, under- I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Chris was also cremated... And a private memorial service was held for him in Ardrosan, Alberta, on August 6, 2007. Sandra Tofaloni, Nancy's sister, says that the only wrestlers that ever reached out to her were Chris Jericho and Chavo Guerrero. Good guys. The only two. Chris Jericho was the one who brought Sandra and David, Chris's eldest son, together. Because after the murder, Sandra was told that they wanted nothing to do with her. And after, so for a long time, they were, there was just no contact between them, even though she knew him. Nancy treated David like he was her own son. So, like, she was basically this kid's aunt. Yeah. I mean, you know what they say. Kindness is Jericho. (laughs) Chris actually gave Sandra David's um, number 13 years after the fact. And then the two reconnected. They're both in the documentary Dark Side Side of the Ring. Oh, yeah, And just, like, them reconnecting Mm -hmm. is, like... Like, literally made me cry. Mm -hmm. Sandra believes that a blackout caused Chris to murder her sister and nephew. And she stated that the medical examiner said Chris only had 10 more months to live due to his enlarged heart. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. So when they did the autopsy, and that's exactly how Eddie Guerrero died. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at that point, he was, based on what they found, he was probably going to die soon anyways. That's wild. Or, I don't know, cardiac arrest or something. Right. David Benoit is interviewed in the Vice documentary, and at one point, he just breaks down, and it is so heartbreaking. He looks so much like his dad. He does. You can tell he had and still has a huge love for his dad. Mm -hmm. And he's quoted as saying, it wasn't him, man. It definitely wasn't. He would never do that. I know he wouldn't. I think something went terribly wrong. The doctor said he had CTE. That's what, at the beginning, gave me closure. It just made my life a little easier. Didn't have to think about it. He had CTE. I don't think it was him. He says, I would like the WWE to remember him, at least for the good times. I want him in the Hall of Fame. 
I'm going to say it's kind of like messed up that they scrubbed him from everything. It's extremely messed up. I 100% understand no longer selling merch. Yeah. And like, like I said, keeping him out of the Hall of Fame because he wasn't in it before. Right. But like he was still a huge part of the WWE at the beginning. Yeah. So like leave him in there and like. And it's clear that the reason why he did what he did was directly related to his actions in the WWE. Right. Like, doing what he loved, well, doing it why. for the people who watched wrestling. Mm-hmm. They probably didn't want, like, all that footage of him hitting his head because they're like, oh, he didn't have CTE. Nobody knows what that yeah, is. Yeah, I think they wanted just to scrub it completely because they didn't want anything to fall on them, which That's is super fun. They're so embarrassing, honestly. As of September 7th, 2021... David Benoit is following in his father's wrestling footsteps. Aww. In August of 2021, he appeared at a real Canadian wrestling event and signed with the company to work at least one match for them. David has been extremely vocal about his passion for wrestling and has even stated that he would like to adopt his father's name and his father's gear and possibly his entrance music. Oh, wow. His middle name is Chris, and he is actually considering wrestling under the name Chris Benoit Jr. And it's crazy because he looks exactly like his father. He doesn't want to do, like, the Flying Pegasus Jr.? No. Honestly, I'm a I think he wants to do it more so as, like, a tribute to yeah. his dad because they erased everything of him. And, yeah, like, if there's another Chris Benoit Jr., it's like, yeah. you can't erase me. That's true. Thing. Chris was actually thinking of quitting wrestling and opening a wrestling school, but he was scared scheduled to take the belt at vengeance so he decided to continue on yeah sandra who is nancy's sister says that she wants to forgive chris someday because she doesn't want to carry around the burden of hate she says it's exhausting and everyone deserves forgiveness and mercy in the vice documentary she says there will be one day when i get on my knees and i finally say it that i forgive him You never know. It might be tomorrow, but I do know it's not today. Moving. That's very moving. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see a Chris Benoit Jr. hit the wrestling. I don't think a WWE will ever hire him. Oh, for sure not. No. But. Definitely not. Maybe someone else. Yeah, that's pretty cool that he wants to, like, continue his dad's positive legacy. Oh, yeah. And Chavo Guerrero is, like, all, like, yeah, man, do it, do it. Cute. So cute. That's great, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's the conclusion of our very fucked up Canadian crippler Chris Benoit murder-suicide yep. series. Uh, I just want to do one quick little fun shout-out. If you guys like wrestling, just, I don't know. I want to hear about it because I want to, like, learn. Oh, yeah. We've had a very positive response. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the first part, everyone, oh, I remember when this happened. Yeah. I like wrestling. Like, I've been chatting to a lot of people in our dms i'm usually not the dm person but you but are the wrestling person. i am but i've been chatting to a couple people through the dms yeah. about wrestling and stuff and it's been super fun so it's pretty cool yeah so reach out to us let us know yeah um we have listener mail can we go over that really quick yeah let's read our right, listener here we mail. go this week's listener mail comes from trevor s who slippery slid into our dms for this little spooky Ooh. tale yeah he says okay so this story sounds crazy even and especially to me I love it. I have always been a skeptic about pretty much everything, but I enjoy learning about the paranormal just because it's sort of fun and creepy. Oh, sort of fun. Oh, it's it's very fun. Still, there are things that have gone on in my childhood home that are hard to explain outside of just imagining it all. I used to think it could be haunted by spirits, but now that I've done some more research, 
I think it may actually have been the home to some fey creatures. What? So I love this story. So there are some small weird things that happened as well as some big weird things. So I lived in this house. What? Oh, my God. I'm channeling. You're you're Canadian. I'm channeling Canadians. (laughs) (laughs) He said, so I live in this house from birth. Well into college age, and things died down when I got older, but as a child, weird shit happened all the time. It seemed like objects would move around on their own, but not so much in a, quote, creepy doll turning their head sort of way, but in more of a, you're not where I left you sort of way. Hmm. One notable time being a Batman action figure that I remember seemingly teleporting from one side of the room to another when I looked away very briefly. After which, I kept it in a clear container, afraid to play with it. I remember one instance when I heard voices that sounded like a man and a woman talking from my parents' empty room when my mother was in another part of the house and my father wasn't even home. Strange beeping could be heard at night without any obvious source. One particular bizarre instance was when I was playing in my room by myself. My brother and I would play a game where I would knock the little, quote, shave and a haircut and he, what does this mean? You know, sh- shave and a haircut. I don't know what that Two is. Two bits. Oh, really? That's what it is. A dun, 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 dun. Okay. Yeah. So he would knock that part, and then his brother would knock back. Two bits. I guess that's a thing people do. <laughs> I can't um, believe you don't know I've that. never heard that in my entire life. Seriously? So, no, never in my life. Wow. I had trouble saying it because I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> For whatever reason, I decided to try it on my wall while playing alone. Knock, 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 knock. Followed by someone knocking on the other side. Knock, knock. This is like from freaking uh, The Conjuring. Yeah, that, yes. This is rem- like Conjuring vibes right now. They completed the song like normal. I excitedly <gasps> ran to the other room to greet my brother, except I think it was a school day and he was not home yet. Um. My parents were both home, but they were sitting in their chairs comfortably on the other side of the house and would have had to really hurry to get back to their seats. But they both declined they both denied knowing what I was talking about anyways. So, okay, normal ghost stuff, if anything, except for a few things that suggest maybe it's a little otherworldly instead. First off, mushrooms. Our backyard was covered in mushrooms in the summer, especially some of them were really huge. Okay, no big deal. Whatever, right? Secondly, small animals would appear and disappear. Hmm. I remember once I caught a frog and had it swimming in a bucket. Classic. I tipped the bucket over to let the frog out, but instead of the frog coming out with the water, it was just gone. Hmm. I looked around for a bit, but it's like it completely vanished. Weird, but maybe I just wasn't paying attention when it hopped away. Thirdly, items would sometimes be left in odd places, almost like gifts. Recently, a full-on cotton flower, like straight off the stalk, was placed in one of my flower pots, which is odd, as I don't think cotton grows anywhere near us. And it's an odd thing to place in someone else's yard. Still, that's pretty mundane and easy to explain away. But here's the thing that drives me crazy to this day. I saw them. (gasps) What? I just got goosebumps. Me too. Even back when I assumed it was my imagination, and as an adult, I've pretty much dismissed it as such. But when I was a kid, I was absolutely terrified of the darkness at night or to be alone in my home because of the creatures that I saw. At the time, I called them elves. But they actually look surprisingly similar to, like, a fucked-up garden gnome. Oh, dope. I remember that they had gray skin, were only a couple of inches tall, and this feels so stupid to say, 
but they wore weird pointy hats. Yes, they do. They do. They do. I remember their bodies were sort of short and chunky, like you're probably picturing a gnome to look like, except their limbs were sort of long and spindly. That sounds so scary. Yeah. There were a lot of them, and I remember looking from my covers to seeing them move around in the dark watching me. They were in his house? They were in his room, yo. (gasps) I was terrified to leave my covers, as I would have visions of these weird little creatures tearing my body to bone if I were to leave my bed. But I did have to get up. If I did have to get up, I would run the whole time, and I would feel like I'm being followed. It was like we had a bizarre truce, and as long as I stayed in bed... They would not rip my skin off. Oh, my God. Honestly, pretty good deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I even remember one instance when the creatures seemed to place toys in front of my bed, almost as if they were trying to coax me out to play. It sounds ridiculous, but as a child, it was terrifying. I would often wake up on the floor where I either rolled out of bed or maybe I was pulled onto the floor. (gasps) Again, I feel like kind of ridiculous telling this story, and it's probably just a child's imagination at play. Yet, what if it isn't? I have heard stories of fairies and other creatures playing with children while their parents were completely oblivious to it. Why couldn't it happen to me? It 100% did happen to I you. believe that this fully happened to you. this man. Yes. Yes. Trevor, you're not alone. Anyways, I haven't seen them in probably 22 years, and that's fine with me if I never do again. I probably dreamt or imagined the whole thing, and there were totally logical explanations. Or I was haunted by gnomes. Yep, that one. I it's think that so. one. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's hard to say. So that's my story. Sorry, it's so long, but I figured I couldn't just say I was haunted by gnomes without giving some substance. Honestly, I love it. it it's, uh, yeah, we had to read it because of the gnome episode. The gnome episode. The gnome episode. I wonder if they were Dwendy. Maybe. They were definitely real. At home. They oh, were definitely yeah. real. Yeah. They wanted to play with him. That's terrifying and I hate it. Wow. But I think it's real. So cool. They, I believe, fully believe in gnomes and fairies. Yes. So. Yes. Me too. Elementals. Without a doubt. They are real. So thank you so much, Trevor S. Uh, amazing story. Maybe one of my favorite listener lores we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have any stories about gnomes or, I don't know, maybe you were a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you, Let us know. you know what this shaving song is about where you're knocking and you're talking about shaving things or some reason. Did you write that song? Because we want to know. We want to know. We want to know. You can send your listener lore to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com or you could do as Trevor did and slippery slide into our DMs. Do it, baby. Also, we ask if you like what you hear here. Oh, I said that twice. <laughs> um, let your friends know. Let your family know. Maybe just go up to a stranger and subscribe us on their phone and they'll be like, wait, what? And then we'll play in like their next round of podcasts and they'll be like, who are these enchanting creatures? What's going on right now? (laughs) These women are beautiful. Oh my God. Like siren songs. Yeah. So tell people about us because it's the best way to basically spread who we are. So yeah. And if you want to help support the pod, you can join our Patreon. We're just quite unusual pod on Patreon. You can search us. We've got a bunch of tiers to choose from. Yeah, and we have a movie club coming up, so that's super fun, too. And we got a movie club. Yeah. All right, well, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. And this is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings. Tim M., currently producing an indie horror film, decided he needed realistic props, so he went to a graveyard and just started digging. A plus for ingenuity, Tim. Oh, I love and such a budget film it must be. 
to Savannah L., a government agent currently working with the Grey Aliens on Operation Strawberry Shortcake. We are not at liberty to disclose any more information, but we can tell you. The project smells delicious. Mm, I bet it is. Dylan B. has a working theory that caterpillars are sentient pocket lint. Ew. He is running extensive tests and will get back to us with results shortly. Interesting. Lauren R., the inventor of Unicorn Crack, a highly addictive substance popular in the fey realm. Little do the fairies know, it's just a pixie stick. It's just sugar. But we'll never tell. Kaylee O. recently joined a cult and is impressing everyone with her skills at leveling up. Keep going at this pace and you'll be the supreme leader by next episode. Level up. Jess H., a vegan that has recently gotten into taxidermy. She brings a new meaning to the term stuffed cabbage. Evan K. once drank the liquid inside of a glow stick. No, sadly, he doesn't glow in the dark, but his eyes do. Unsettling. Yikes. Katie T. is trying to make Friday the 12th teeth happen. Because, well, there's so few Friday the 13th, obviously. Luckily, she doesn't have to try to make it happen, because we did experience a Friday the 13th this year. Adam K., in an attempt to become a masked vigilante, he has begun summoning the power of the moon. Then he got a visit from Sailor Moon and Luna, who told him to cut it out. That's their thing. Yeah, I can understand. You don't want someone stealing your thing, mm. you know? Christina N. found a statue of a jade cat in the temple of the lost jelly blobs. She was working on a theory that the jelly blobs worshipped cats. Or maybe the cats ate jelly? I don't know. Kelsey C. Ironically, Kelsey found a statue of a jade dog in the lost temple of the peanut butter blobs. These, these can't be related, can they? I don't know. John S., a blobologist that has instructed all of our listeners to repeat after us. I will not think of the blobs. The blobs do not exist. What blobs? I have forgotten about what we are talking about. Caitlin R. here to report that, as a caterpillar, she can confirm they are nothing more than sentient pocket lint that had become intelligent when a pair of jeans were left out in an acid rainstorm. They can't stop multiplying. Sounds problematic and adorable. Mark W., a psychic medium who uses their power to tell when they are about to burn their lip on a too-hot pizza roll. Mm-hmm. It's quite a good talent to have. It is. It would be helpful. Justin W., a tiny gremlin who loves Space Jam so much, they insist they could beat Michael Jordan at one-on-one on basketball. I think he can. Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're not worthy. We are not We're worthy. not worthy. I mean, we might be, like, a little worthy, but, like, not... I don't think we are. No, yeah, you're right. We're not worthy. No, we're not. 